If you knew you only had days to live, how would you live your life? If you knew you only had hours to live, 72, 48 hours, how would you live your life? This Easter season, we have been looking at a series that I entitled Last Days, right? Where we began looking at the last days of Jesus. We're up to Wednesday. But I also want to remind you this morning, as we look at this series of the last days of Jesus, it kind of has a double play in that. Meaning, because friends, I believe that we are living in our last days. Not only are we one day closer than we were yesterday to our eternal destiny, whether that be heaven or hell, but we are also one step closer to Jesus' second coming. Everything that the Lord said needed to happen has happened. No man knows the hour or the day when he will return. But are you ready? And so today, as you see these palm branches, these palm trees here on the stage, we, I want to kind of quickly step you through where we've been thus far. When we started our series, we looked at Sunday. We looked at what most churches around the country, around the world today are celebrating as Psalm Sunday. And what is that all about? It's about where Jesus enters Jerusalem. And when he entered Jerusalem, we see a beautiful picture of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And I've told you each and every week that Jesus came on a peaceful mission. How do we know that? Because we look that he came riding in on a donkey. He came riding in on a colt. That is a sign of peace. If you look in Revelation, it says when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back how? He's going to come back on a white horse. Now, what's the difference, friends? We're, we're looking at Easter in the Easter season. He rides in in a colt. That, that means that he's riding in and he's coming on a peaceful mission. But when he comes back again, when he comes back the second time and he comes on the white horse, what is horse, a horse? A horse is a sign of war. And what is white? It's purity. It's a sign of victory. So he's coming and the enemy will, the enemies of this world will be defeated. Amen? But he came on a peaceful mission. We also said that he came on a passionate mission and that he came on a purposeful mission. Then the next Sunday we looked at Monday and we said, what do we see on Monday? And we see that Jesus puts things into order. Jesus puts things into order. That's what he's all about. When Jesus shows up, he wants to see things put into order. When he showed up, he showed up in Jerusalem. He rests in the next day. He goes into the temple and he is beyond frustrated. He is furious because they had turned the temple from a house of prayer into a den of robbers. I gave you the example. It'd be like if somebody from Alkaloo, the metropolis of Alkaloo, South Carolina, ventured down the road and they came to worship with us over here at Bible Fellowship, and they had coins and we had coins. Well, your coin in Alkaloo, this is what was happening in those days, that they were traveling from Alkaloo and they'd have the Alkaloo coin. They said, no, 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 it's going to take two of your coins. to you got to exchange it for a, a temple coin. Right? So what were they doing? In essence, they were profiting off of the people that were coming to worship. 
And so I ask you then, I ask you now, what obstacles are we putting in the way of those who come to worship? And I also ask you then, I ask you now, if Jesus showed up, what would he have to say about our worship? Because you see, friends, it's not about you. It's not about your preferences. It's not about which song you like or you don't like. It's not about whether you like this passage of Scripture being preached or not. I'm here to tell you this morning that as long as I have the God-ordained ability to fill this pulpit, that I will preach it fervently and passionately, and I'm not going to skip over verses just because you don't want to hear that. Amen? If it's in the Word of God, that's what we're going to preach and teach. Last week we looked at Tuesday, and boy, there was just, I mean, last week Miss Terry made a joke. She said, my goodness, Chris, we're going to be there till afternoon time. When will I get my nap in, you know? It's this big swath of scripture, right? But you know what, really and truly, guys, when we come to the Lord's house, what would it look like? Now, I plant the seed, and y'all might say, oh, Lord, I'm not going to come that Sunday, but you won't know till you're here. But what would it look like if we literally just opened up God's Word and just began to read it? Right? And that's what we did the whole time. Where in the Bible does it say that a a worship service is from 11 o'clock sharp to 12 o'clock dull? That it's got to be just an hour. Right? But we talked about there was this big, big section of Scripture. And I mean, don't you think if you were living in your last days, if you're Jesus, you're headed towards the cross, I mean, you want to try to make sure you get every point, right? You make those investments in those relationships that you're, you're like, okay, I I got, I hope they get this, right? I, I need to, I need to keep pouring in. I need to keep investing. I need to keep having conversations. I need to keep showing them what prayer looks like. I need to keep showing them, wait, this is what you think it's supposed to look like, but no, this is what it's really supposed to look like. But one of the things we touched on last week is this. Jesus said, where I am, there my servant will be also. There my servant will be also. I got to step back because I forgot a a question. So on, on Sunday when we talked about Jesus and he's coming in and he's on a peaceful mission, I want to ask you, what are you leaving behind? Right, whenever you enter a room, whenever you enter a conversation, whenever you leave somewhere, is there a path of peace or is there a path of destruction behind you? Seek peace. Seek peace. I asked you about what would Jesus say about our worship and then I want to ask you, when we talked about Jesus said, where I am, there my servant will be also. We gave you many examples of people in our church and places where they're working, where they're serving. And I simply want to ask you this morning, where do you need to show up where Jesus is already working? Where do you need to show up where Jesus is already working? The the word already tells us the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray for the laborers. Pray that people like those in our church, like Autumn, I don't know why I I go to her a lot of times, but like Autumn, where she loves those who struggle and and have um, live within the realm and have children that deal with autism. And she has a heart and a passion for that. And so what does she do? She 
makes it her life mission and her life goal to come alongside of them and, and to be hope, to be peace and say, listen, I love you. Hey, here's, this might help you. What about, did you know about this resource? Did you know about this? And she's being salt. She's being light. She's being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so this morning, we find ourselves at Wednesday. And as I studied, as far as Jesus is concerned, in the Gospels, we've been looking at various stories throughout the Gospels, but in the Gospels, on Wednesday, it's silent. It's silent. I want you to, I want you to chew on that for just a second. Last week, we're on Wednesday. Jesus is going to head to the cross on Friday. It's silent. Man, that got me to thinking. That got me to praying. So they said, okay, God, what do you want us to see? Why did you put this in front of me to show me in this resource where it was, it was spelling out the different days and listing all the scriptures? We're not just going to skip over that. Silence. I want to remind you this. Just because God is silent does not mean he is still. Just because God is silent does not mean he is still. Friends, when you think God isn't working, He is. He is. And and so this morning, I invite you, if you have a copy of God's Word, you can turn there. If not, you can listen and just make notes and go back and read it for yourself. But I want you to turn over to Psalm 121. Y'all know I talk about Psalm 121 a whole lot. The Lord has a sense of humor. He reminds me there's so many jewels tucked in His Word that... Like... I couldn't remember where it was, so I began to look it up. And So we're talking about God's silent, but He's not still. And I thought about how in Scripture, Scripture tells us that He neither slumbers nor sleeps. So what do we see in Psalm 121? There's only eight verses. I'm going to read them all. My help comes from the Lord. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Keep looking up, friends. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil and he will keep your life. Verse 8, the Lord will keep you. You're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forever more. So friends, just because God is silent does not mean that he is still. And so there's kind of two themes I began to kind of see and to kind of marinate on. And that is in this silence of Wednesday, 
where we don't really know what was happening with Jesus. Amen? We, we don't, there's not really much said. But I, want, I came here this morning to remind you that God is at work. But, oh, friends, so is the enemy. Can I also remind you this morning that God has a plan. So when there's silence, I want you to remember that God has a plan. What does Paul tell us? Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, he says what? He says, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, why did I turn to that? I know what that verse pretty much says. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Right? But sometimes we either mislearn it or there's something else there that we need to see. Amen? And I want to read it in its entirety. So God has a plan. And then I begin to think on Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. See, that's the most used and abused word of Scripture. We take it out of context. And y'all know what it says. It says what? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and all places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Here's the thing that I hope that you remember this morning as we talk about Jeremiah 29, 11. The Lord does indeed have a plan. Amen? He has a plan. But the thing that we must remember about this particular passage of Scripture is that it is not written to an individual. Rather, it is written to a community. It is written to the Israelites. It is written to a group of people. Is there truth in that? Yes. But the things that we need to realize, if you go back and you study Jeremiah chapter 29, it talks about 70 years in exile. So friends, you can take hope and say, yes, Lord, I know you have plans for me, but those plans are not always painless. Amen? They're not always going to be filled without trials. You're going to meet trials in life. Just because he has a plan for you does not mean that it will be easy. And I'm here to tell you this morning that unlike some churches in this country, that it is not easy believism. Just because you profess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you acknowledge that you are a sinner. See, that's what's missing from most places. It's, we got to get out of this notion of asking Jesus into our heart. That is not what it is about. It is about the fact that we realize that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. And that we repent of our sin. That means that we know that we were headed for damnation and hell and we were on the wrong path and we repent. That is what they call about face. In the military, that means that we repent and we turn from our sins, that we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we turn to the cross and that we ask him for forgiveness. That's what salvation is. It's not this easy, oh, I believe in Jesus. The word tells you that even the, the demons believe. But what are you doing with that belief? If you confess to the Lord that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and do you realize the payment that He made on the cross for you? I want you to look really quick at this stained glass window here in the middle. 
See, as I told you last week, when Jesus died on the cross, that is a, that is a beautiful betrayal and something we do not need to forget because right there, those are two beautiful stained glasses. But can I remind you of something? That when Jesus hung on the cross, that, that was an emblem of shame. It was an emblem of shame. And that beautiful depiction, he has a loincloth across him. No, no, no. When they hung on the cross in Jesus' day, they hung naked. They hung naked in shame. But isn't it beautiful that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can take something that's beautiful and shameful that the world meant to to ridicule others and he turned it into something beautiful. And he turned it into a means that where we could have salvation. That we could be with him for eternal life. So as I told you this morning, God, when God is silent, it does not mean that God is still. That God has a plan. And then friends, I mentioned to you this morning, do not be fooled. Because the enemy is always lurking and always working. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Right after the book of James, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same words, knowing the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. As I read this verse just a moment ago, and I read the statement, after you've suffered a little while, and that we're to remember that there's those that are suffering, your brotherhood is suffering around the world. I, I read an article in the last few weeks that there are literally people in China who are seeking to find people in worship. Why? To turn them in to the authorities. To be persecuted, be put to death, be ridiculed, be pushed out, whatever. But see, you got up this morning, praise God, he gave you another day. You got up this morning, you got in your car, you drove here willingly and freely, amen? And you came in these doors to worship. Well, friends, there are those around this world that are meeting in secret. Meeting in secret places. They don't have to worry about this morning that it's too cold. They don't even have a padded pew to sit in. Sometimes in these third world countries, they are literally gathered in a, in a place and has one little old light. Very dimly lit. 
Maybe it's too cold. Maybe it's too hot. It sure ain't comfortable. And can I tell you something else? We have Bibles. We have Bibles that we come to church and we say, Oh, Jesus, oh, I praise God, it's a great Sunday. And then we go home and we throw our Bible down and we go about our week and we do whatever we need to do. And then it's like, well, wait, Sunday's coming. Where, where's my Bible at? Did I put it over here? Uh, did, did I leave it under this stack of papers? You know, where is it? Right? You have a copy of God's Word, but you're not using it. And in these third world countries, people literally will find a Bible. And you know what they'll do? They'll get a page. They'll get a page. And they'll do this. Alright. There's your page. And there's your page. And there's your page. And that's all they have. And they cherish that. And they go home and they, they read it and they pray it through. And guess what? Then they come back together and not only are they are excited about what they saw, but then guess what they did? Here, you take this and you take this one. But we have copies of God's Word and we don't even read it. I'm going to go from preaching to meddling, but I'm going to say it. You know what irks me? I had a conversation this week. If you go into the African-American church, whether it's from the pulpit to the pew, they learn scripture. They learn and memorize and can recite scripture. I was talking to an African-American friend of mine at the hospital. He's a manager. And we were talking, and a buddy of mine told a story about how he went to a funeral. And at most funerals, in the African-American round, they'll do an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. And so they asked him to read something from the Old Testament. And my buddy Jim said, he said, oh, I'm going to do Psalm 23. He said, I got this one. So he said they lined up to go down the aisle, and African-American pastor's in front of him, and he's behind him. And they ask everybody to rise, and as that... African-American minister stepped into the sanctuary. He began to recite Psalm 23, word for word, word for word. Jim said, oh, Lord, what am I going to share now? But I tell you that because why? Scripture memorization is important. If you want to grow in your faith, the number one way to growth in your spiritual journey is through reading and studying God's word. It's opening it up. It's engaging with God's Word. And I'm here to tell you, I struggle with memorizing things myself. I can only remember, I can only memorize little bits of verses. But that's okay. Thank God we live in the Google generation, amen? Say, well, I remember this verse said something, something. So you know what I do? I go to Google and I type in, you know, be still and know, verse, enter. Now that's Psalm 4610, but... Sometimes if there's another verse I can't remember, I just remember a chunk of it. I type that in in verse. Oh, that's in First Peter. Okay, cool. All right, so then I go and I underline it. I read it. All right, but use the tools that you have. And lastly, I want to close with this thought. So we see two, 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 two things happening on Wednesday. It's silent as far as Jesus' preaching and teaching is concerned. But when God is silent, does not mean he's still. Amen? God has a plan, but we must also not be fooled. 
because the enemy is lurking and working. So you have, I can only imagine that our Lord Jesus Christ, that he spent time alone. He, he spent time by himself. And he spent time with his father. Because we'll be preaching and teaching on something different. We'll be preaching teaching part of the resurrection story next week. So on Thursday, Jesus sets the table and he serves. Friday, he takes on sin and death. And then Sunday, as we celebrate resurrection Sunday next week, Jesus conquered the grave. Defeats death. As Brother Jimmy mentioned this morning, if you're here this morning and you don't know that he lives and there's hope, I pray that you do this morning. There's a conversation that we need to have. If when you go to lunch, if I need to pray for you, if there's a next step that you're like, I'm not sure what my next step is. I think it might be this, but is it? Let's have a conversation. Conversations lead to relationships. But as we close out this morning, as we think about Psalm Sunday, Palm Sunday, can I remind you of Something else that I preached and taught when we went through that. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, there were a lot of people who were, Woo! Hosanna in the highest! Woo! Here's Jesus! Right? So can I remind you something this morning? That those who sing your praises the loudest will be the first ones to typically turn their back on you. Those who sing your praises the loudest will be the quickest to turn their back on you. And that's what we see when Jesus entered, right? There was a big celebration. Hosanna in the highest. Woo, Jesus has come. Woo, we're excited. Those same ones. Later that week, we're saying, crucify him. Crucify him. We want Barabbas. Do what you will with Jesus. We want Barabbas. Turn loose the murderer and... The thief, turn him loose. Crucify him. So as we close out this morning, I just want us to spend a few moments in silence. Just to reflect on what we've talked about these last few Sundays as we prepare for this Easter Sunday. And I just ask you as you sit there in a moment of silence, whatever the Lord may have laid on your heart, whether it's a next step that you need to take, whether it's finally turning to Him to realize that you cannot do it on your own, but that you need Him. Whatever it is, I pray that in these next few moments that you would do business with the Lord.